There are a lot of milestones when it comes to starting and growing your business. The first dollar you make, the first dollar you make from someone who isn't your mom, your first four-figure month, and quitting your day job. But the big milestone in many business owners' minds is hitting that six-figure mark for the first time. Hey, Jeremy here, and you're listening to Build a Better Wellness Biz. In this episode, I'm going to be sharing the five pillars of a thriving six-figure wellness business to help you draw the roadmap to getting there. So for me, when I'm looking at a six-figure business, they all have these same five pillars that they're built upon. And so we're going to be talking more in depth about each of them. But to start off, those five are clear vision and identity. Number two is clarity on your audience. Number three is an exposure system. Number four is a trust system. And number five is a compelling offer. And so these are things that no matter what type of business you're running, you probably need these things in order to hit that six-figure mark. So let's start off with number one, clear vision and identity. So this doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have clarity on what your life's work is or your massive, bigger purpose. This can be just what you're aiming for right now. And so I think that this is something that so many business owners, we hear so often that you need to have passion and purpose and all these things. And especially when we're starting out, a lot of us don't have that. We're not clear on that. We know that we want to do something different than what we're currently doing. We want something more but we're not necessarily sure what our big life purpose is. That feels so huge and it might not be something that we're clear on. And so that can often feel like it holds us back that if we don't have clarity on that, then, well, we might as well not start because maybe this is the wrong thing for us to be doing. So when I'm thinking about clear vision and identity, that's a much more practical kind of method of thinking about it, about thinking like, okay, well, who am I serving? What is my business? What do I want to do? What do I want my life to look like over the next year? Uh, What do I want my life to be different from how it is now. So if you're working in a day job or something like that, or maybe you're struggling to grow your business. So you, you have a business started, but it's not where you'd like it to be. You are, you know, maybe bringing in, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a month, but it can't really support you yet. And so just thinking about like, okay, well, what are the products and services I want to offer? Who am I and what's going to draw people to me? And what are my, my offerings that I have? And so that's what I I like to think about when it comes to having a vision and identity around how you're building your business. It doesn't need to be massive purpose and uh, and vision for how you're going to change the world. That can all come later. And that gets really important later in, in your business as your business grows and matures to keep you motivated and working towards that next big thing. But when you're starting out, we can scale that back and it can just be clarity around who you want to help, which we're going to talk about. This is more on on pillar two, clarity on your audience, but also how you're going to help them. What do you have to offer? understanding where you are uniquely positioned to help people, what experience you have, what skills you have, being clear on how these things come together and overlap with a demand in the market. Uh, That's important to be clear on. And so that's kind of talking about the vision side of things. When we're talking about identity, this comes down to things like branding and your marketing messaging and brands that you associate and identify with yourself as well as the type of people that you want to attract and work with. And again, we'll get more into that on uh, the next pillar. But being clear on these things and whether that is, you know, visual branding and and branding is so much more than just, you know, a logo and your website color palette and all those types of things. Really, branding comes down to the promise that you are making people and and keeping once you've made that promise. And so thinking about, you know, what do you want the experience of people who interact with you, whether that is just online on social media or consuming your uh, podcast or blog posts or video content, or if that is people who actually work with you, like what is the experience that they have? And this is really part of your branding that 
not a lot of people think about when they start thinking about branding. It's, it's really easy to think about a logo and a website because that's so visual. And a lot of great brands have great visual branding as well. But that is not what makes the brand great. What makes the brand great is the experience and the set of values and the promise that they embody and deliver on. So getting clear on that stuff right off the bat is the very first thing that you need to get in place as you're on your quest to build your own six-figure business. Number two is clarity on your audience. So you've probably heard this a hundred times before, but this is really one of the most important exercises you will ever do is getting clear on who your ideal client, patient, or customer is. And you've probably heard this referred to as your customer avatar. And there are a number of different processes and frameworks that you can use to get clear on who this person is. And I have one that I like that I've taken people through in the past, but no matter what you do, you, you should choose something like take some time, spend an hour, set the timer for 60 minutes and brainstorm everything you can think of about your ideal customer or client or patient. Because without knowing who your ideal customer is, it's really impossible to market to them effectively. And this is something that I don't think gets mentioned enough when people are talking about why you should do this exercise. People talk about it's important to write your marketing messaging and all these things, which is true. But really, when it comes down to it, marketing is all about finding creative ways to get in front of your ideal audience members or your ideal customers or clients or patients. And if you don't know who they are or where to find them, you're going to have a really tough time getting in front of them, whether that's through organic marketing or paid marketing or whatever it is. If you don't know where they are already, it's going to be really hard to position yourself in front of them. And so finding out as much as you can about them and just spending an hour writing down everything you can think of. Uh, this is just incredibly important in, in order to build out this person and develop this character, this avatar, where you can say like, okay, well, I know they listen to these podcasts. I know they read these blogs and I know that they read these books. I know that they are interested in these topics. They shop here and all this information that you can that put together, the more you know, the more you're going to be able to find ways to get in front of those people and make collaborations with the, these other platforms and other podcasters and bloggers and YouTube channels where your ideal customers are already hanging out. And so the more you know about them, the easier it becomes to position yourself in front of them and to do your marketing. This is one of the very first lessons that I take people through in Podcast Marketing Academy. And it's also one of the very first things we do uh, on every strategy call with a new client. And it always makes me so happy to see the light bulbs go on for people when they realize that they thought they knew who their ideal customer was or who their ideal podcast listener was, but they realized that they actually had no idea. And a lot of times they were actually speaking to and marketing to the wrong people entirely. Or more commonly, they knew that the type of person they were speaking to generally, but they didn't understand what type of content that person was looking for. And so they were creating the wrong type of content that was attracting either no one or the wrong type of people. So when we're building audiences online, it is essential to know as much as possible about our ideal customers and audience members uh, so that we can create content that, you know, really grabs their attention. And immediately they, as soon as they see a headline, a title of our podcast or blog post or YouTube video or whatever it is, they're like, oh, that's for me. That is meant for me. And I can tell immediately because the way that you've constructed it is 
about a topic that speaks to them. It's written in a way that speaks to them. It might highlight a pain point that they have. And so the, the clearer we can be about that, the less thinking our audience has to do and the more obvious it is to them that we get them, we understand them, and we are creating content to try and help them, the easier time marketing that we are going to have. So we're going to talk more about this framework that I take people through in episode five. So make sure to check out that episode um, after finishing up with this one. All right, so pillar number three is an exposure system. So once you know who your ideal customers, clients, or patients are, or audience members, you need a way to get in front of them. And like I mentioned, that's all that marketing really is a lot of times. It's finding a way to get in front of your audience where they already are. A lot of times we think about attracting people back to us, and that can happen. And a lot of that is through word of mouth marketing from our existing audience, but often right off the bat, we need to go out and find those people and do the legwork ourselves to kickstart our audience growth. And over time, it becomes easier and more and more people find their way back to us as we create more and more content and we create more and more super fans from our existing audience members and word begins to spread. But often in the first year or two, we need to do a lot of marketing ourselves, a lot of legwork, and having an exposure system is really important for this. So it's a good idea at this point to find out how many people you actually need to build your business to the size that you're looking for. So a lot of times when people are thinking about building a six-figure business, you probably don't actually need to build an audience to get there. Right now, my company, my production company, Counterweight Creative, is at about a quarter million dollar a year business. And it was built without any marketing whatsoever, pretty much. I have done a few podcast interviews here and there, but I don't think any of my clients have found me through that. Uh, I have something of an audience on uh, a Facebook group that I have and an email list, but it's really small. And I don't think I've ever got a client through any of that. I've done a lot of blog posting. I think I got one client through blog posting, but out of all the probably 40 to 50 clients that we've worked with over the past five years, I think one has come through that intentional marketing content creation efforts and all the rest have just been through word of mouth. So I think a lot of times when we're looking to build maybe a six-figure business or, or whatever that might be, we think we need to build out these audiences and create all this content and do all these things. And really that's not true. And there are way, way, way faster and easier ways to build our businesses to the size that we want. And I've talked to so many of our clients who they're at a point now where they're starting their podcasts to you know, push into that multi six figure or seven figure or even beyond that uh, level of business. But they built their businesses entirely just through word of mouth, just through outreach and networking. And a lot of times those efforts are way faster to build up to the six-figure mark. And so it's important to spend some time at the start when you're looking at what you want your business to look like to think about, okay, what is the price of my offers and how many people do I need to build up to the, the size of business that I want? So for some businesses, potentially, if you have someone who pays six figures a year for your services, you only need one client. And if that's the case, you do not need to build an audience because it is going to be hard to sell a six-figure product or service through content marketing. You're much more likely to get results by going to you know, networking events and going to conferences and asking for referrals and really focusing on relationship building. And so maybe that's an extreme example, but like for us, because our podcast production services are basically a subscription model where people are having podcasts produced month to month, we don't really need that many clients to build a six-figure business out of. 
because we only need, you know, maybe a handful, maybe 10 or 15 clients and they're with us every month and they're going to be with us for the long haul. So we don't really need to be finding that many new clients. It's not like we need, you know, five new clients a month or anything like that. And so thinking about how your business is set up and what the business model is, what your price points are, how many customers you need and how often you need to get new customers, that's going to be really important with deciding what your exposure system looks like. So if you have a high price point product or service and you need few customers, I would not focus on building an audience around that. Or at least I would supplement that with other efforts that are going to get you more clients in the door faster while kind of, you know, starting to work on building the audience. Because if you are looking to go beyond six figures and build a bigger business or maybe move into digital products and those types of things, then an audience will be valuable. But if you're just looking to get your business off the ground, hit that six figure mark, uh, maybe through a service model or something like that, then that is probably the way to do it is through networking and relationship building. And don't focus on building the audience up front. Now, if you do need or want to get the exposure to a broader audience of people, maybe you have a low priced product and or you need a lot of new clients coming in the door regularly, then maybe building an audience is a good idea for you. And so here you might immediately start to think about social media, blogging, podcasting, etc. These are all things that people immediately think about when they're looking to get exposure to people and think, well, if I start a podcast or blog or a YouTube channel, that's how I'm going to get in front of more people. And I think that this is actually a mistake because if you're just looking for exposure, there are much faster ways to get it than building your own audience on your own platform. Now, I think that is very important and we're actually going to get into those platforms in a minute here. Uh, things like blogging, podcasting, um, long form content like uh, YouTube videos, email newsletters, all that stuff. That stuff is really important. But if you're just looking for exposure, there are much faster ways to do it. And I would not put your effort in there up front. So what I would do instead would be to look for ways to collaborate with other people who already have audiences. And these should be audiences that have a lot of crossover interest with your topic. And so maybe they're not people who are doing the exact same thing as you offering the exact same service, but a kind of complimentary service. When you know who the people in your audience are, then you can see what other types of things they're interested in. And you can partner with those people who have products or services or content around those things to kind of get in front of those people like we talked about before. And so if you can collaborate with these people, these content creators, and you can find out how you can offer some unique insight, knowledge, or perspective, that's going to be the best way to get in front of a large group of your target audience member. And so some of the best ways to do this are by uh, doing sessions on virtual summits. Uh, you could also do uh, conference talks. Those can be a little bit harder. Virtual summits can be an, a little bit easier place to start. But uh, virtual summits, conferences, uh, guest blogging on blogs in your niche or industry or in related niches or industries, or my favorite is guesting on other podcasts. And so guessing on other podcasts, uh, this is probably the fastest way in my mind to get a large amount of exposure. And so I actually have a podcast guesting mini course that is going to teach you pretty much everything you need to know to get started when it comes to researching podcasts and finding out which ones you should actually be targeting, uh, how to pitch them and how to make the most of your podcast guest appearances. So like I said, I think podcast guesting is the very best way to get in front of a lot of people. And this is my kind of exposure system of choice. I've seen it work for so many of our clients. I've seen it work for myself. 
So if you're looking for a way to get started guesting on other shows and want to understand you know, who to reach out to, how to pitch them, and how to make the most of those opportunities, uh, you can find that uh, podcast guesting mini course. It's about a 40-minute long video course uh, consisting of a few lessons there. And you can find that at betterwellness.biz slash podcast guesting, all one word. So podcast guesting, virtual summits, guest blogging, uh, Instagram takeovers, these types of things, leveraging other people's audiences. This is really the best way to get in front of a large group of people fast, building up your own audience around a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel. This is a you know multi-years long proposition. You are not going to put out a podcast or a YouTube channel or start a blog and within six months have a massive audience around you. But if you guessed it on 20 different podcasts in that same six-month period, you are going to have a lot of attention focused on you. And as long as you have an email list or a way to capture that attention, you are going to be able to then transfer those people to your own platforms. If you do start a podcast or YouTube channel later, then you can just push people towards that because you've already got that exposure up front and you've captured them on your email list. So uh, one of the things that I would say too is that even if you already have a blog or podcast or YouTube channel of your own, you're already creating your own content, you still want to be regularly leveraging other people's platforms to get in front of new people and pull them back to your own content. And so this leads us into pillar number four, which is the trust system. So a lot of people create what I would call flagship content. And so this is podcasts, blogs, YouTube channels, email newsletters. It could be long-form Instagram posts. Whatever your long-form content is, a lot of people create this content as a way to grow their audience. And like we talked about, these platforms can certainly help you do that. But what most people don't realize is that to organically grow any of these platforms, like I said, it takes literally years of consistently putting out high-quality content. One of the things that I like to say when it comes to podcasting is that you can podcast for a year and it probably won't feel worth it at all. But if you podcast for three years, it could change your life and your business. And this is because there's kind of a compounding effect that I found. And this is true for podcasting and any other form of content creation. I think it's also true for business as well, where you have to put in all this upfront effort and you're like pushing the snowball up the hill. And eventually at some point you tip it over the edge and it starts rolling on its own. But it takes a lot longer to get to that point than most people think. And so whenever somebody comes to us looking to start a podcast, the first question I always ask them is, okay, how long are you prepared to invest in this? And if they are looking for results in three to six months, I say, okay, like, I don't think you're going to get that. And podcasting might not be the best fit for you. I don't want you to hire us on only to, to give up when you're not getting results in three to six months, because that's just, I have not seen that happen. And so when you're thinking about this flagship content and creating it for yourself, I think it is important, but I think the mistake is thinking that this is going to be the sole way to grow your audience. And so that's why we have an exposure system to get in front of people consistently and to be reaching out to get on other people's podcasts or YouTube channels or doing Instagram takeovers or guest blogging or virtual summits or all of these different things that we talked about in that section. That's not to say, though, that having your own long form flagship content isn't valuable. It just means that there are faster ways of growing your audience than using those things. And so the real value in creating high quality flagship content is that by putting it out consistently, you are creating a way to systematically build trust with your audience. And so with each piece of content, they're spending a little bit more time with you and you're helping them move one small step closer to their goal at a time. And so when you keep this up for months or even years, you are going to build up a community of raving fans. There's just no way around it. The thing is that this takes time. And so obviously, as the uh, owner of a podcast production and marketing company, I am extremely biased. But 
like I said, with, with podcast guesting, that being the best way to get exposure, I also think that podcasting is the single best form of content for building trust with an audience over time. And this is both due to the length of time they spend with you on any given piece of content, as well as the intimacy that podcasting and listening to audio creates. Podcasting really allows you to get to know the host in a way that blogging and even video usually doesn't. And so with blogging, you, you can't hear the person's voice. And a lot of people can't convey a lot of emotion and personality through their writing. And so many of us were trained to write academically. And so when we're writing, it doesn't come through with a lot of personality. And so I think that, you know, having that recorded live element to it, whether that's podcasting or video, that can get a lot more personality across. And, and personality really, really matters when it comes to the people that we work with, especially those of us who are working in the wellness space where, you know, people are trusting us with their health and they want to know who they're working with when it comes to that. And so when it comes to video, I feel like with video, most people aren't doing long form unedited video content. And so I think a lot of times video feels more like a presentation and a performance, whereas podcasting feels more raw and more personal. And so that is why I think that podcasting is really the best way to build trust with an audience. And especially for wellness professionals, like I said, getting to know the person and getting to know their personality is important for somebody who's ultimately going to spend money working with us. But beyond personality, trust is absolutely essential, maybe more than any other niche or industry in when it comes to health and wellness, that trust is essential. And so putting out some form of flagship content, whether that is blogging, whether that is video or whether that's podcasting, I think that this is something that every wellness business owner needs to have because we need a way to build trust and simply getting exposure to people often isn't going to convert them into customers and clients and patients over time. So uh, that's why we have the exposure system that then pulls people back to our platforms where they enter our trust system, where we're putting out this content and they're building trust with us and we're helping them get small wins at a time. And eventually when the time is right, some of those are going to reach out to take that next step and work with us. And I would say that even if you're not looking to build a massive audience, you still do need a way to build trust with your ideal customers, clients, and patients. And so I would recommend, you know, maybe starting with creating 20 high quality blog posts, YouTube videos, or podcasts, or you can put them together and do all three around the most common questions that you get asked from people so that you can have these on your website and direct, you know, inquiries to them. When somebody asks you a question or they just check out your website, uh, they can go and look at your content and see that, hey, you know what you're talking about and they can get a sense for your personality and style. So when you're creating this content, uh, especially if it's blog posts, if that's the, the method you choose to create this content, make sure that you are being intentional about adding personality into these posts, because that is something that can very easily get lost and it can become just one of a billion other uh, blog posts on the internet on the topic. And what we want to do is grab people's attention and help them feel like they know us and that they get a sense for our personality and style and how it would be to interact with us if they decide to spend money with us. And so with videos or podcasts, that is going to come across a little bit easier. But with blog posts, especially, you are going to need to kind of go above and beyond there and, and be intentional about that. One other note on podcasting is I would say that an interview style podcast is a phenomenal way to get in touch with your ideal customers by giving you an excuse to sit down and talk with them for an hour. So even if you never build an audience, podcasting can be a fantastic networking tool. And I've heard from so many podcasters, many of them have huge audiences that they've actually got way more value out of the relationships they've formed with their guests than they have from their actual audiences, even when they might be bringing in a lot of income from those audiences through course sales or one-on-one -on -one client work or whatever that might be, that oftentimes the value they've got from their guests and the relationships that they've formed uh, through that interaction 
has been way more. So I, I think that, again, this is just another reason why podcasting is so great. That's why I'm podcasting now. Uh, that's why I love the podcasting world. There are just so many opportunities in it. And again, obviously I'm biased, but I think that um, it is really just such a fantastic tool, especially for wellness business owners because of that ability to build trust with people and convey your personality, which is so, so important for the people who are going to be taking that next step and working with you. So once you have clarity and vision around you know, who you are and what you bring uh, to the table, who your audience is, you have a system to get in front of that audience, and then you have a system to build trust with them, there's still one final step to building a thriving six-figure wellness business. And that is a compelling offer. So of course, for any business to make any money, you need to be selling something. But I see so many business owners struggling because they might have some offer or even multiple offers. None of those offers are really compelling. So when I'm thinking about what makes an offer compelling, this is something that for at least your core, core audience you don't really need to do much, if any, selling at all. This is something that as soon as your core audience sees this offer, they are all over it and ready to sign up. Like if you announce a wait list, everyone on your core audience has already signed up for it because they just know that this is made exactly for them. And they've already gone through your trust system. They know, like, and trust you. And if the offer is compelling, they will sign up. You're probably you know, still going to want to write a sales page with well-written copy to convince people who are on the fence. And maybe they're not part of that core, core audience. But the people with whom you are most aligned, if your offer is truly compelling, they aren't going to need to be sold on it. And so, of course, this is something that's hard to do. And I think the reason that most people do not have a compelling offer is because they don't actually know their audience that well. And so this goes back again to having clarity on who your audience is and who you are uniquely positioned to serve. So when it comes to creating this compelling offer, you absolutely need to talk with your audience and find out what it is that they really, really want and what kind of offer would be truly compelling to them. What are their biggest frustrations and challenges? And then taking all of this data and this information that you've gathered and creating an offer that is hyper targeted to solving that problem specifically for them. So one of my favorite resources to help you do this is a book called Ask by Ryan Levesque, which I'll have a link for in the show notes. And in this book, he basically walks you through a process that he's developed on how to use surveys to ask certain specific questions to your audience and find out what it is that they actually want from you and what it is that would make for a compelling offer. And a lot of times, uh, I know I've made this mistake and many other business owners make this mistake, is you try and read your audience's mind and you think that, well, I know better. I've been there before and I know what I would have needed at that point. But the problem is that people might not have that benefit of perspective. They almost certainly don't. If you've been there and been through the problem, you have all this additional experience and you've probably gone down multiple dead ends and tried things that didn't work before stumbling onto the thing that actually did in the end. And so oftentimes as the expert, we have this curse of knowledge where we think we know best and we probably do know best, but our audience might not actually understand what is best for them or what would be most useful for them. So we create this thing, we try to read their minds, we create an offer, and we know that this is going to help them, but we don't present it in a way that speaks to them. It's not compelling to them. And so by going through this uh, survey system that Ryan Levesque lays out in the book, Ask, um, we can actually get them to tell us where they're at specifically and what they need. And then we can use that language that they've told us by their answers to craft an offer and write all the messaging around it to make it really, really compelling so that as soon as we roll it out, they're like, oh, that's that's the problem I have. That's what I need. This is the problem I'm trying to solve. And this is the exact solution that I was hoping for. And so uh, it is it's just so important to 
actually have this dialogue and conversation with your audience if you want to create an offer that is truly, truly compelling. And when I'm looking at business owners who are really struggling to hit that six-figure mark, they might have everything else in place here. They might have the first four pillars in place. They might have clarity on who their audience is. They might have an exposure system. They might have a trust-building system. But when they're struggling, it's because they don't have an offer that is compelling enough to get people to consistently buy. And I feel like I've been in this position before where I had built up an audience, but I kept putting out offers that were just not compelling. And I was trying to read people's minds. And I was thinking, well, okay, everybody always talks about this. I see this in my Facebook group, so I'm going to put this offer together. And then it flopped and nobody signed up. And I'm thinking, well, this is what they're asking for. Like, why isn't this working? And it wasn't actually until I went through, uh, I read Ryan Levesque's book and ran some surveys to my audience and found out like how they phrased their problems and what were the biggest challenges for them. And then I put out what eventually became Podcast Marketing Academy. And I asked people like, hey, is this something like I'm thinking about doing this? Would you be interested in this? And people were all over it. And tons of people signed up for sales calls immediately and, and discovery calls and signed up for the wait list. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Here I was trying all these other things that I thought were best, that I thought I knew what people were asking for. And uh, eventually it took me actually having those conversations with people and actually getting that feedback. And what do you know? When they told me what they wanted and then I created it, they bought it. And so I think that that is, is one of the big challenges. Nobody wants to actually do that work of having that dialogue with their audience and finding out what they actually want to buy. When you do that, though, it becomes so much easier to create an offer that is truly compelling, that gets them to sign up immediately. It ticks all the boxes for them. And so sometimes without doing that work, you might have an offer that actually is a good fit and it does solve the problem, but you haven't figured out how to craft the messaging and marketing around it in a way that is concise or compelling. I've seen this a lot of times with business owners who their product or, or offer or service or whatever it is, is actually really great. And it actually is really beneficial to the audience, but it's kind of convoluted and complex in the way they present it and uh, present the messaging around it and the marketing. And compelling needs to be clear. It needs to be concise. And so a lot of times, if you can get your audience to tell you what that problem is, they can write that copy for you and they can write your headlines and they can name the product basically and do all the work for you. And so that's often one of the challenges is, is having a product, but not knowing how to convey the value to your audience. But more often, I would say that when we're starting out, we all tend to overvalue our creations and we try to squeeze income out of offers that just really aren't that great. And again, of course, I, like so many others, have done this. I remember creating a podcast gear guide ebook. I didn't feel like there was a great resource out there on podcast gear. A lot of it was really broad and vague and it was like, here's 10 different mics that could work for you. And I wanted to create something that was more like, no, here's, if you're in this situation, get this. If you're in this situation, get this. Or if you're in this situation, get this and make it really clear and easy for people. And so I spent probably close to $500 getting this book created and formatted and designed and it looked great. And I got it set up online and I was all excited about the sales page. And I think it's been four years since I put that on sale. And I don't think I've made back that $500 it was just not that compelling an offer. You could get all that information elsewhere online. And I think that my gear guide was more concise. It was clearer for people and, and people who bought it told me that they really enjoyed it. And they, they said it was great and really helpful, but I didn't know how to present it in the right way and uh, convey how it was unique from just any of the hundred blog posts telling people which podcast gear they should get. And really that would have been better as a freebie. And so I think a lot of times these early offers, we all are in a rush to monetize, but I think often we would get way more value from creating something that's pretty good. And, and we might even think it's like really, really great, 
but it's probably not. And those things would be better served to be used as really high value lead magnets and giving these things away for free to build our list so that we can actually start the conversation with those people. And then once we have that conversation, you know, rather than a $17 ebook that I was trying to sell, I would have rather had, you know, those 50 people who bought it or however many it was on my list, be able to talk to them and then come out with a $500 product that I knew they would buy after having them on my list. And so I think that often having patience and giving away a lot of stuff for free and giving away a lot of stuff that you probably want to charge for free upfront is actually more profitable in the long run and will help you build that audience and start that dialogue so that you can create an offer for them that is actually truly compelling and probably costs a whole lot more than the initial offers you were putting out there anyway. So to wrap up, the five pillars of a thriving six-figure wellness business are number one, clear vision and identity. Number two, clarity on your audience. Number three is an exposure system. Number four is a trust system. And number five is a compelling offer. And so these things kind of build on each other and flow from one to the next. So if you start at number one and work your way through number five, chances are if you've done the work at each stage, you are going to come out of that with a six-figure wellness business. And this is something that I've just seen happen again and again and again. And a lot of times people want to skip steps. And so they might not be clear on what their unique offer is at the start or how they're uniquely positioned to serve an audience. And then they might not do the work in finding out who that audience is. And a lot of times people want to skip right to the end, making an offer and building that uh, platform, whether that's a podcast or YouTube channel or whatever it is. And they're building an audience that way, but they don't actually have an exposure system. So everything's just kind of disconnected and disjointed, but going through one after the other, one through five, this is the best way that I've found to have clarity around, okay, I know I'm making progress. I know that each of these things leads into the next one. And that by the end of this, if I can do my due diligence upfront and actually build out each of these pillars, it's almost inevitable that you're going to have a thriving, successful six figure, and maybe even beyond wellness business by the end of that. And each step gets easier when you've done the work on the one before. So my hope for you is that you take the time to actually do the work on each of these and put the time in. And really, I've seen it again and again that it feels like it's it takes longer. It feels slow when you're doing this work up front. You just want to get into building the audience and selling them on your offer. But I've seen so many times where it is actually the faster route to, to take what feels like the slow route up front and doing these work building step by step by step rather than trying to jump to the end. And then when that doesn't work, then you have to go back to the beginning and then you try jumping somewhere else and then that doesn't work. So you have to go back to the beginning. And that's what I've done. That's what so many business owners have done. And uh, hopefully you can take this roadmap, this framework and build step by step by step. And before you know it, you will be at a successful, thriving six-figure wellness business. So that brings us to the end of the episode. And like with every episode, I want to hear your thoughts. And so my question for this episode is, out of these five pillars, where are you the strongest and where do you need to put in the most work? So to answer that and have your answer featured on an upcoming episode, you can head over to betterwellness.biz voice and leave me a voice message there. You can also leave a question. If you have a question about this episode or any other, you can do that there as well. And I would be happy to answer that on an upcoming episode. If you enjoyed this episode, I'm actually putting together a more in-depth free video training covering these five pillars of a thriving six-figure wellness business, plus the additional three pillars to push past the six-figure mark into the multi-six-figure and seven-figure and beyond. And so there are some additional pillars that it's kind of the what got you here won't get you there 
mindset where these five things we talked about today, those can get you to six figures, but to get past that, you're gonna need three additional pillars. So if you're interested in signing up, this is a free training and you can get that by going over to betterwellness.biz slash thrive. Again, that's betterwellness.biz slash thrive. And there in that training, I'm going to be walking you through in more depth the eight pillars of pushing past the six-figure mark. And so uh, I hope to see you there. I would love to have you uh, go through that training and let me know what you think. And other than that, I will see you in the next episode where we are having our first interview of the Build a Better Wellness Biz podcast, which is with Abel James. And this is just such a fantastic conversation. Abel is a New York Times bestselling author. He had the number seven diet in America at one point. His podcast, Fat Burning Man, was the top show in the health category in Apple Podcasts for five years straight. He also had the top app in the health category of the App Store, and he has just done so many amazing things. He studied brain science. He's won awards for his songwriting. He writes poetry, all these things. Super fascinating guy. And we get into a very deep conversation about all things online business and really just how to be successful online and keep your soul while you're doing it. And so I hope to see you there. And until next time, thank you so much for joining me and keep building better. Bye.